0: I invite you to open your Bibles to John, chapter eight. John eight. And as you're turning there, I, I just want to um, say how encouraged I was. I've been this past two weeks. Two weeks ago, I talked a bit about us putting on what we call Advent gatherings as an intentional way to use our homes to reach out to people in this Advent season. And uh, in two weeks, we had over 100 people asking to be host uh, for that, Um, which actually was a little overwhelming trying to to organize that, but so encouraged that that many people in our church want to use uh, the place they live as a way to outreach to their neighbors. For those of you who didn't, who wanted to do that, and I didn't get you a guide because I think I printed off like 10 of them, uh, so I wasn't prepared, I've got a ton more of these. You can see me after the service, and I'll give you one of those guides. This morning we return to John, John chapter 8, and I'll begin reading in verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two men is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, Where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says where I'm going, you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you, told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. I declare to the world that I have heard from him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Pray with me. Our Father, we thank you for your word. And how when we read your word, it is not just black ink on white pages. But through your spirit, we get to hear you calling us Jesus. And we ask that right now you would do that. That you would call people out of the domain of darkness into part of the kingdom of light. Father, I pray that my words in this moment would fall to the ground and blow away and not be remembered anymore. But Lord, may your words remain and may they change us. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. In this text, we get to the second of the seven I am's that are in the gospel of John. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Now, especially as we come up on the Christmas season, we kind of get used to hearing that statement, but this is an extraordinary claim. You you, you do realize that normal people don't talk like this. All of you, look at the person sitting next to you. Just, Just go ahead, look at them be a little awkward here. Now, if at some point in the service that person were to kind of lean over and whisper in your ear, hey, I've been thinking about it. I am the light of the world. And and if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness. If if that person said that, you, you might tell them in a soothing voice, that's nice. But inside you're thinking, run. Just run. Get away. Normal people... Do not make statements like this. But Jesus made a statement like this. It's an extraordinary claim. And and, and Jesus, he's, he's not saying that he can point us to the light. He is actually saying, I am the light. He is pointing to himself. And Jesus is making claims like this all of the time. He says, I am the bread of life. Come to me if you are hungry, come to me if you are thirsty. Come to me if you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is never pointing to others. He's never pointing to some other philosophy, some other religion, some other prophet to come, some other self-help book. Jesus is always pointing to himself as the answer. If we want life, if we want light, we come to him. Now, if Jesus is not God, this is an absurd claim. If he's not God, he's either a liar or he's either crazy. He certainly would not be a good moral teacher if he claimed to be these things and he was not God. And of course, the people who hear him think he's a liar. They think he's evil. They are seeking to kill him. Now, you don't have to be a Christian, or you don't really have to have an a understanding of the Bible to at least get a general understanding of what Jesus means when he says, I am the light of the world. We, we instinctively kind of get what he is saying here, because when we look around the world that we live in, we see darkness. I mean, You could see this this past week. With what happens in Paris and the violence is there, you, you would see darkness. You look in Birmingham and you, and you see the, the eight-year-old child killing his, his one-year-old sister. And you think, darkness. The world is full of darkness. It's full of evil, violence, racism, greed, corruption. And, and this isn't a modern problem we, we can't say, like, the world is just getting worse and worse. No, these things have always been this way. Every civilization and every time has been full of these things. And I, I think that all of us here are smart enough to realize that that's not just going away. That you just can't throw enough money at the problem and fix it. It's not just about an equal distribution of resources and that will fix it. There's not any degree of education that will fix it. Certainly there is no election to come that is going to fix it. The world and the people who live in it are broken. That's what we mean by darkness. And when Jesus says he is the light of the world, He is saying first he is the one who exposes all of the evil. And then he is the one who brings in the light, who brings healing, who brings life to this broken and dark world. I think we, we just instinctively we, we get this. Even if you don't know much about the Bible, uh, if you're not a Christian, when you just hear Jesus say that he is the light of the world, you understand that this is a good message, that he is bringing hope and he's bringing life into a dark place. That just as the sun brings life to all things, Jesus is. He's, Bringing out the photosynthesis of our souls, all right? He's what's bringing to life us. So we get this instinctively, but but Jesus is actually pulling together so many different threads of Scripture when he says that he is the light of the world. He is saying so much more than just he is hope in a dark place. Let's walk through a few of these. It's been a few weeks since we've been in the Gospel of John, but if you could think backwards, uh, we've been at this time where Jesus has been teaching in the temple during the Feast of Tabernacles or Feast of Booths. That was that seven-day-long celebration in which the people remembered how God delivered them from Egypt, and he led them through the wilderness. He fed them food, he gave them water, and he, he led them by a cloud by the day and a pillar of fire by night now that the last time we were in John I actually talked in John 8 the story right before this about the woman who was caught in adultery you remember that story how Jesus you know he says he used without sin cast the first stone but if you remember that that story wasn't original to John it was just kind of inserted there and and because it's inserted there it actually breaks up the story What we just read about Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, connects to what happened right before that story. So, John 7, let me just read to you this the last few verses there. Verse 47 the Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of you authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But the crowd does not know that the law is, is accursed. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, Does not our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? And they replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. And then he goes straight to verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. And so what we have here, if you see this story flowing, uh, connected, is that these religious leaders had just discarded Jesus' claim to be the Messiah because they said, hey, no prophet can even arise out of Galilee. Search the scriptures. And Jesus says, okay. And he says, I am the light of the world. And he is alluding to Isaiah 9, one of the most famous Christmas passages we have, in which we read, in the latter time, God made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, the Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has now shone. And Jesus is saying, well, 800 years ago, Isaiah prophesied that from Galilee into Galilee, a light is going to shine. The point of this is, don't debate scripture with Jesus, all right? Don't don't say, hey, search the scriptures. He's like, I wrote it, okay? I know it. Yes, a light will come, and I am that light of the world. But Jesus is even more than this. When Jesus made this statement that he is the light of the world, he is standing at the treasury of the temple. Look at that in verse 20. It says, These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. Now, the reason John gives this detail is because it's important when understanding what Jesus is saying. In the wall, of the treasury, there hung two enormous candelabras, two enormous torches that were lit during this festival. They were the way that the people of God, they remembered that God went before the Israelites both as a, as a cloud, a luminous cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so they lit these two huge torches to remember that that is how God delivered and led his people out of the land of Egypt and through the Red Sea. And so now Jesus is standing beneath these two enormous torches that are lighting up much of the city. And he's saying, I'm the light of the world. This is me. I'm the luminous cloud by day. I am the pillar of fire that was by night. I am. And when the people hear this, it's no wonder that they want to kill him. Because Jesus is claiming to be nothing short than the Shekinah glory of God. Standing in their midst. And so, now Jesus, he is standing there and he is saying, look at me, look at me. Look at me, I am God, the God, who led the Israelites out of Egypt. I am that light. And notice exactly what he says here in verse 12. When he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Just as the Israelites had to follow the pillar of fire, they had to follow it through that Red Sea in order to be saved. Jesus is saying, you have to follow me if you want to be a part of the light. You have to follow me if you want to be saved. Jesus is saying, I'm the one who now leads you. I am the one who now guides you. If you remember from when we studied the book of Exodus, when the people left Egypt and the cloud led them forward, God led them right to the Red Sea. And they were pinned in. Uh, by the the approaching army of Pharaoh in the Red Sea right there. And what we see is that the cloud, this Shekinah glory of God moved in front of them and stood as a barrier between the army of Pharaoh and the people at the Red Sea. And so this pillar of fire was their protector, the one who stood in between the oncoming judgment and their eventual freedom. And then during the night, the seas were parted And the people got to cross through the Red Sea on dry land. And this, it was beautifully terrifying. This happened at night. I know, you know, when we picture the parting of the Red Sea, you know, the last movie, Exodus, or Charlton Heston, you know, the the sea's parting. It's always in daytime, but it actually happened at night. And, And as the pillar of fire is standing in between Pharaoh's army and the sea, the seas are parted, and God's light shines the path through there. Amen. And the people are they're walking probably in terror and darkness. All around them is death and destruction. Giant walls of water on either side. Pharaoh's army behind them, but they have this light lighting the way going before them. And it's only in the morning, as they are all safely across, that then the sea comes crashing down on Pharaoh's army. Jesus is saying, I was that pillar of fire. As the son of God, that was me. I led Israel, I guided Israel. And you know what? I still save God's people now. I still lead them, I still guide them. I am still the light of the world. And if you do not want to walk in darkness, you need to follow me. We have to trust that Jesus is the one who still saves. Although we are surrounded by darkness, we live in a world full of evil, death, because of Jesus, he says, you're you're not left in the dark. I don't leave you in the dark. You know, we have that phrase, left in the dark. We use it. Maybe if we have a really big decision to make and we don't know what to do, we we say, I'm in the dark here. Or if there is some circumstance that is bringing suffering into your life, you say, I'm just left in the dark. I, I don't see a way out. Or perhaps somebody close to you has died. And in despair, you, you say, all I see is darkness. I can't ever see a way out of this. But Jesus here is saying that when I'm in your midst, I illuminate the darkness. He said, it, because I light up things, everything looks different. Everything looks different in my light. And so you you look at the plans that you have to to make, the enormous decision you have to make, where you're going to live, what job you're going to take, whom you're going to marry. And he's saying, I'm not leaving you groping in the dark, I will guide you through that. If there's a, a circumstance bringing suffering in your life, he says, Let me illuminate that for you. Don't you know that I cause all things to work together for your good? You don't need to be afraid. Even death itself looks different. My, my cousin, my first cousin, she is 39 years old. We found out a couple months ago that she had cancer. And two days ago, uh, we just found out it was a very rare and extremely aggressive form of cancer. She will turn 40 on December 2nd. And they said she likely will not make it there. Two weeks. She's a believer. Her dad, my uncle, is not. He is in darkness and it is devastating him. I mean, as, as a father, it will be devastating to see your daughter, your only daughter, going through that. No doubt about it. But because he doesn't believe that Jesus is the light of the world... He is in darkness and there is no way out. The guy is brilliant. He's worked for the CIA for over 40 years. Every problem he has been able to fix his entire life and now he has gone two months without being able to fix a single thing. It's all darkness and he doesn't see a way out. And the thing that is most terrifying for him is he thinks that when his daughter dies, the lights go out and that's it. And Jesus says, no, no, the lights do not go out. As the light of the world, darkness cannot snuff out that light. Her life is just beginning. The ultimate darkness that we will all walk through is death. The ultimate darkness that we're walking in right now is a sin that leads to death. Look at verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says where I'm going, you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. Just as every living thing on this planet would eventually die if the sun ceased to give its light, Jesus is saying that unless you come to me and recognize me as the light of this world, you will die. You will die in your sins. Do you see how Jesus is pleading with these people? I mean, 21 again, he says, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. He's saying, listen to me, this this window of opportunity in believing in me is closing. You've been following me all around Jerusalem, all around while I've been teaching at this Feast of Tabernacles. You've been taking issue with every single thing I say. You keep rejecting me, but know that the window... The window for you actually believing me is going to come to a close. There's going to be a time when you will seek to find me and you're not going to be able to because the separation will be complete and it will be everlasting. Listen, right now, if you are not clinging to Jesus as the light, you still have a moment, you still have an opportunity, but you will not always have that opportunity. There's going to come a time when your walking in darkness will become permanent. You, You will move from walking into darkness into what the Bible calls walking into outer darkness, complete darkness. That's when you reach a point of no return. Outer darkness is what the Bible describes as hell. In Matthew 8, Jesus says that those who don't believe, they will be cast into outer darkness. There will be weeping and there will be the gnashing of teeth. Outer darkness is the place where there is no light. And there is a complete separation from the light of the world. Now, now, if you are having a hard time believing this, you're, you're a lot like these people that Jesus is talking to. They're, they're hearing Jesus say these extraordinary things. I am the light of the world. I'm the Shekinah glory of God. I'm your only hope for salvation. He's saying all these things. And they are like, but you don't look it. You, you really just don't look it. And so Jesus says, well, let me tell you where to look. There is one place that you can look that I shine brighter than any other place. And we see that in verse 28. Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. And when Jesus talks here about being lifted up, He is talking about going to the cross. He says something very similar to this in John 3 when he says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, that bronze serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And when he is lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. So the cross is where Jesus is going to shine most bright, and he's going to bring people to himself. Now, these candelabras that we talked about earlier that are on this wall where Jesus is saying these things. These things were lifted up high and they were positioned at the highest point in the temple, which, of course, was the highest point in the land. And when these giant candelabras were lifted up high, They illuminated the whole city. All of Jerusalem could see these lights. And now Jesus is saying, just as these lights are lifted up, so must the Son of Man, the light of the world, be lifted up so that all may see him. And I will be lifted up on the cross. That is where I'll become most bright and most glorious. It is there on the cross that we see the love and the forgiveness of Jesus shining forth most brightly. It's there that he takes all of the darkness of this world and he puts it on him. Remember what happened when Jesus was on the cross? It says darkness covered the land. Do you remember that? If Actually, if you look through the cross, you'll see that Jesus takes on almost everything that is ascribed of hell. He takes it on at that point. Hell, a place of eternal burning. Jesus cries out, I thirst separation from God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? place of darkness. Darkness covers the land. The only thing that didn't change there, the only thing that we don't see is there was no weeping and gnashing of teeth. The weeping and gnashing of teeth is one who walks in darkness, but wants to be there and saying, God, you stay out of my life gnashing their teeth in bitterness. But Jesus on the cross in the very heart of hell says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He is pleading with his Father. He is shining so bright in the midst of hell. And he is taking on all of the darkness, all of the brokenness of this world. It's all trying to snuff him out. But as the Gospel of John says in the beginning, it could not extinguish the light of Christ. If you're in a dark place and you're wondering if God even loves you, I would say look to the cross. Look to the cross and you will see His love shining on you. He took away the outer darkness you deserve so that you might become a child of light. The whole The Bible testifies that Jesus is the light of the world. Now, I'm trying to think through this sermon. I knew I was going to fail in this sermon. I mean, as a pastor, you know that a lot. But when you hit that and you're like, how do you talk about Jesus being the light of the world? Literally, almost every page of scripture screams this. I mean, you have Genesis 1-3. Right there, you know, right after creation, God spoke and said, let there be light and there is light. So light comes immediately from God's presence. There's nothing else there. He just says, let there be light, and there's light. Before he created the sun and the moon, he created light. That's of huge importance because when he comes to the end of the Bible in Revelation 21, and it says that we were given this new heavenly city, it says there's no need for a sun or a moon because the glory of God will be our light. So the bookends of the Bible is that from the presence of God comes light or life. And every page in between declares that. We were made to bask into the, in the light of God. Now as Christians, we not only believe that Jesus is our light, but he, we also believe that he now makes us a light to others. It's very similar to you know when Jesus said he will give us living water. He gives us living water, and then he places in us a fountain that then overflows to others. Jesus says, I'm going to give you a light, and now this light is going to shine to others. We see this in Matthew chapter 5 when Jesus tells his disciples, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So here in John, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then to his disciples in Matthew 5, he says, you are the light of the world. And what he is saying is that I am the light of the world. And as I come to you, now you begin to shine my light to others. You also become a light in dark places. Have you you ever been in a, a room where it's completely dark? I mean, completely dark, and somebody's gonna light a candle and they light a match, that's and they light it. Your eyes are immediately drawn to light. You, you can't look elsewhere. You, you are immediately, you are drawn to any light that pierces darkness. And Jesus is saying, hey church, this is you. This is you. You are to live your life in such a way that you pierce through darkness just like a candle pierces through the night. You are to live a life that is so extraordinary, so different than the darkness around you. Every eye is going to be drawn to you. Simply, you're going to live a life that you you can't be ignored. People will absolutely be attracted to you and fixated on you as you live this way. He says that you are a city on a hill which cannot be hidden. If you are truly a Christian whose life has been changed by Christ, hear me. There is no camouflage that you can put on in which you will blend in with the world. You can't. Jesus says a city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. You cannot hide. You will always be distinguished among others. Light will always shine in the darkness. What this means is if, if you are living a life in which you are anxious about the same things that your coworkers are anxious about, then you are not being a light shining in a dark place. If you look like you trust in wealth, just like all of your neighbors trust in wealth, then you are not being a city on a hill. If you spend your free time pursuing the exact same things that people walking in darkness pursue, then you're not being you're not being light. If you fixate on your beauty or or on your appearance in the same way that everybody else does, then you're not light shining in the darkness. I'm serious about that. If, if you spend more time uh, looking in the mirror, the mirror that's in your bathroom, than you do maybe the mirror of the word of God and letting that tell you who you are, both tell you your flaws and your beauties, then you're not being a light. We're to bask in the presence of God and then we're to take that light and to reflect it to others. So that's the question, are we being That match that is struck, that lights up to where every eye is drawn to it. There's a lot of application I could pull from this, but I really just want to point to one. It's the main thrust of all of this, and that's just simply who do you believe Jesus is? Is he the light of the world? I love verse 30. It says, and as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Jesus didn't do a single miracle here, all right? Not a single miracle. He simply says this. But then that witness he was talking about earlier, I have another one who bears witness of me. My father well, it's the father through his spirit just goes and convicts and people hear and they come to believe. Yes, you are. You are the light of the world. And these people experience what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, which is in the face of Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Father, for those who don't believe, may you shine right now into their hearts. May your spirit testify that what we have heard in Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, that those words are true. For us Christians here, may we believe that even more deeply. May we cling to you as our only hope, our only salvation, our only light that brings life. And Lord, may our light shine before men in such a way that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.